people want to feel better. Doctors literally just job to help people get better. <laughs> Insurance companies want to keep people healthy. We all have the same goal. So we decided to go to all these stakeholders because we said mental health care is health care, right? So why should it be a luxury item? Welcome to Healthcare Strategies, Industry Perspectives. We're coming to you from Health 2023 to bring you into our conversations with healthcare technology leaders on important trends in the industry. In today's episode, our VP of Editorial, Kyle Murphy, caught up with Dr. Georgia Gaveras, co-founder and chief medical officer at Talkiatry, to discuss mental health care and psychiatry post-COVID-19, the trade-offs of telemental health, and even a bit of career and life advice. So let's get into it. Tell me about your background, um, you know, in terms of study and then some of your work. Obviously, you work with pediatric psychiatry. What attracted you to it? I mean, the short answer is it's just fun. I mean, it's honestly, it's really cool. Like, you meet a lot of patients. You learn a lot about them, about their families, about... It's, it's, it's just fascinating. It really, truly is. And, you know, if you're going to do something, you better be interested in it, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole point. So, yeah, it's just... It was... It, when I started learning about it, it was really cool. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to do something for the rest of my life, this is a good thing to do. Originally, actually, I, I wasn't going to go into psychiatry. That wasn't my original plan. And then I went to medical school, 99 to 203, 2003, and 9-11 happened in the middle of it. And actually, it happened during my surgery rotation, and I happened to be in Newark at that time. And I'm a New Yorker born and bred. And um, when that happened, like my surgery rotation got canceled, like, you know, just was as you know, what happened on 9-11. So it kind of like opened me up because I was really interested in surgery. And then I was like, it kind of obviously put a sour taste in my mouth because the experience was horrific. And um, then I did my psych rotation not too long after that. I was like, oh, this is really cool. <laughs> really, this I can do. So um, yeah, you so, yeah. So obviously one of the things, you know, um, the past few years has really shown a light on mental health crisis kind of in this country. It predated the pandemic, but a lot of things became much more salient oh, yeah, during that sure. period of time. <laughs> for I'm sure. curious kind of what your perspective is from the clinical side uh-huh. of things, but also just kind of at a national kind of public health level, mm-hmm. because there seems to be a lot of focus on sick care, yeah. not as much on preventive care and even less on behavioral health and mental health. So yeah, I'm sure. curious your perspective on kind of what you see really at the, at the national level and kind of what you see from professional experience. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, pandemic was terrible obviously some good things that came out of it i think were prioritizations for people and it could be something as basic as like i hate my job and i now realizing that life's you know too short to hate your job right or i want to spend more time with my family right a lot of people who are kind of like thrust into seeing their kids for the first time um you know better or worse it's true right so um but i think as far as mental health care goes i think you know now people are home they were home alone a lot of times, which is, you know, when you really think about it, because I live in Manhattan, in New York City, a lot of people were just home alone in a studio apartment with literally nothing but their thoughts. And that is, like, talk about, you know, we're talking Terrifying. about Russian literature, right? That is something, you know, something torturous, you know? And, um, you know, and it also, you know, for a long time, we've told people separate work and life, right? So don't work when you're home. Good luck. Don't work while you're sitting in bed. Literally the only surface I can sit on is my bed. You know, like those kinds of things. So I think it kind of, you know, thrust people into a situation where they absolutely could not ignore it anymore. Because I think that was kind of a luxury before. You had all these other stimuli that you could, um, you know, it's like, I'm depressed. But you know what? I'm going out with my friends. So that's going to make me happy. And it makes you happy for a little bit because it's your friends. And then, you know, you have something else. And now it's like, you're done. You're done. So unhealthy coping mechanisms then set in, right? So... Grubhub, Seamless, whatever, you know, 
whatever at delivery app you wanted, their french fries could be at your door whenever you wanted them, you know? You didn't have to exercise because the gyms were all closed, so you didn't have to be, feel guilty about it, right? You know, Netflix, when it asks you, like, are you still watching? It's like, yes, I am, <laughs> you know? So all those things that normally we would regulate because we had other things, there was no need to regulate them anymore. So people fell into habits that were, you know, I hate calling habits unhealthy, um, yeah. but, you know, using them in an unhealthy way. And then people at some point were like, wait, this isn't anything good, you know, and, and had to actually do something about it. So I think it um, put a focus on some dysfunction that people were able to suppress. And yes. then it gave people the time and the space. Everyone had Wi-Fi. We were all watching Tiger King. So everyone had Wi-Fi. So you could now engage in mental health treatment. The virtual options that kind of popped up, you know, were popping up before the pandemic for sure, but certainly proliferated after. Yeah. How did you feel from, obviously, there were a lot of just kind of elimination of red tape, like, first time out yeah. there, like get the rules kind of got relaxed and suddenly you can yeah. use whatever platform was convenient at the time. Yeah. Um, we, well, at least at, at where I am, we took Patreon and, and HIPAA very, very seriously. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of built into our EMR and, you know, we were able to do that. Um, but for a lot of people, yeah, I mean, you could FaceTime, you know, docs were using FaceTime, docs were using Zoom, just whatever, because a lot of people, especially I'm a psychiatrist, a lot of private practice psychiatrists, it's just them in a room, right? With yeah. a desk. They, this was not something they were going to do. They don't even have EMRs. They just keep their, you yeah. know, their swollen enough they can do that so um now if you have to see your doctor that doctor is not going to be able to get a you know phi secure platform and go through the whole thing they're too expensive it's it's you know cost prohibitive for them so they just use facetime and you were like you know what just whatever you need to do right and that was kind of i think the uh theme of the pandemic whatever you need to do to get through it you know so um yeah i mean it's obviously we want to make sure phi is secure i mean we're at a tech conference you know (laughs) you know some agita going on for people if you say that it's not secure but um i think that at the time we just had to do it and it really it was a, a lifeboat for a lot of people and now, obviously, demand is, is, is very high mm-hmm. for, for mental health, and there's actually a lot of competition from direct-to-consumers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, won't name names, but to me, it's like, it, it gets further fragmented from, like, your PCPs really not necessarily included unless you share this information yeah. with them. How do you kind of get that integration so that there is that kind of holistic care that actually includes the physical and the mental, yeah. even though, you know, we, we know our brains and hormones are responsible for it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, when we look at mental health, I mean, the type, the, the connection between mental health and physical health is there. I mean, you mentioned Amadeo, right? So, you know, mind, body, spirit is kind of the, the mantra um, in uh, osteopathy, but it, it's just, it's very clear, you know, people with depression are less likely to do things like follow up with their um, preventive care, mammograms, colonoscopies, all those kinds of things. They're less likely to adhere to their medications they're more likely to smoke or drink or do drugs or all the things that you know lead to unhealthy outcomes for people so we know that they're there depression we, we see you know the people that are depressed get sick more I mean it, these are this is not news so yeah you're right though that connection like being able to communicate with your PCP and making sure that everyone's kind of on the same page um, it's really hard because there is that balance between people's PHI and HIPAA and all that but then it's like I really need to tell your PCP that you're on this medication, yes. right? Yeah. Or your, your PCP needs to tell me if your blood pressure is going up because maybe you don't, you're not able to tell me. So those kinds of things, um, it's, it's really hard. I mean, you know, if we look at these, you know, when you look at these giant studies, like those millions, you know, end of millions, those are all in like Scandinavia where everyone has like, you know, access to everything. Yeah, it, it's just like you have access to everything, which on a certain level, doctors are like, God, I wish I could just see all part of it because it would make my life so much easier to know that, you know, you were on a Maybe you forgot you were on it, you know, because you stopped taking it a week ago and, you know, it's no longer there. So those kinds of things, you know, I I wish we had more access to, but I understand, especially psychiatry, 
Yeah. And because my background is in addiction as well, and my background is with working with children, you know, there's even more protection when it comes to those kinds of things. So, you know, you want to respect that. And I'm your doctor. I need to know. I'm curious as well from a, I know you're on the provider side, but from a mm-hmm. payer's perspective, you know, there always hasn't been really robust mental health or payer health coverage. It's kind of, it's left to the, the patient to, to go seek out these things. And mm-hmm. it's usually during a time of desperation or yep. something tragic has actually happened yeah. to them. Um, I mean, how do the different kind of stakeholder groups kind of need to work together to ensure that, that not only is it available, but you know, access is, is something that's streamlined. Obviously, virtual platforms sure. are there, but you still need the actual workforce to, to be able to do this. Yeah, and sure. the, the different groups to speak together. I'm curious yeah. your perspective on how to improve the healthcare system as it pertains to mental health and, and behavioral health. Yeah, I think the thing is like, we're all, we all actually have the common goal, right? People want to feel better. Doctors, I literally took this job to help people get better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole point of my existence. And then insurance companies actually want to keep people healthy. You know, finally, I mean, public health advocates would have told you this ages ago, yeah. but keeping people from getting sick is a lot easier and a lot more cost effective than healing them once they are sick. So everyone kind of has the same, we're all kind of approaching it in a different way, but we all have the same goal. So when we started our business, we started Talkiatry, we decided to go to all these stakeholders and um, especially the insurance companies, which were, you know, being in network for us is super important and about, you know over 95% of our patients are commercially insured because we said you know healthcare you know now it's kind of like a Everyone says it, but healthcare is mental health care is healthcare, right? Yeah. It's it's just it, it's part of your health. So why should it be carved out? Why should it be a luxury item? Even if you have mental health coverage, you're not able to find somebody that will take it. So then it's a, you know it doesn't matter if you have it if no one will take it, right? Yeah. So we decided it's super important for us to focus on the population that has commercial insurance because they are typically the people that have the hardest time finding in-network coverage. If you have all the money in the world and want to pay out of pocket, bless your heart. You know that's great. Yeah. But that's not the majority of people, <laughs> okay? It's a very small minority of people. And even them, I mean, if you have insurance, why should you have to pay out of pocket? It doesn't make any sense. So that's really where we want to focus. It's stressful. I remember going through the pandemic with my team, just people trying to access resources. And yeah. it was like the backlog. Yeah. Waiting months and months. And yeah. But everyone at the same time is telling you how important it is to seek out these exactly. services. Exactly. But there's this, this, that massive disconnect. I'm curious because you mentioned, obviously, medication is a SSRIs and other mm-hmm. antidepressants are really vital to actually allowing people to yeah. moderate their lives where they have that balance. I guess, how has regulation from the rules about using virtual platforms and mm-hmm. prescribing, mm-hmm. I guess, how important is, is having that ability so that, you know, you're seeing these people, but, you know, they can also prescribe to you and you can get the help that you need. Mm-hmm. And then how do, you, how do you ensure then, I guess, kind of come, come full circle, that it then gets back to primary care and you get them into this sure. management, kind of regular routine management? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of, uh, just the second part, I think a lot of it is on the doctors themselves to take that time. There are all these, like, you know, studies about how much time doctors spend on administrative tasks, clinical care, and then that amount of time for administrative tasks longer and longer and longer. So, um, you know, we, for us, a lot of our partners that refer to us that are primary care partners, we might be on the same platform. So from the same platform, that of course makes it a lot easier. You know, technologically, it's a lot simpler to do that. But sometimes it's just taking the time, you know. So um, there's that weird, I I feel like, um, and you you can speak to this, mm -hmm. but as a practitioner, it's kind of a lonely thing. You don't necessarily socialize with all these, or interact with these people. You refer them though, but you don't necessarily have that communication. Except for those guys who golf together. I'm a terrible golfer. I wish I were better at it. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, when, especially when you're working virtually, right? I yeah. mean, we're a tele 
medicine platform, so everyone's in their living room. <laughs> so unless yeah. you live with a psychiatrist, you're not talking to another psychiatrist for the most What's part. What's it like seeing people in their homes? I've heard uh, anecdotally that a lot of folks who work in psychology, psychiatry, mm -hmm. like to see people in their homes because they yeah. get a better sense of kind of what the dynamic yeah. is. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's a trade-off. So um, when you see somebody in person, you can tell if they showered. Right. Yeah. You can look under their fingernails. You can see if, you know, I, again, I work with drug users. I can see if they've been smoking something. Right. Yeah. You, you can tell. Um, we can just see how they're taking care of themselves. You can see are their eyes darting around the room. Are they paranoid? Like those kinds of things. Obviously, when you're on a virtual platform, that changes. But the virtual platform, you can meet their cat. You know what I mean? You can meet their, you know, if you need collateral information from their significant other, yes. they'd have to be in your office, you'd have to sign a release form, you'd have to like coordinate with the significant other, you have to actually reach them, find time to talk on the phone. Now they're literally right there. They can actually call them over and sit them down next to you, next to them and you can talk to them. You can see what their house looks like. You know, I didn't know one of my patients was a hoarder until I saw them in their home. How, how would I know? Says a lot, right? Yeah, they don't tell you, and they're yeah. going to tell you they're a hoarder, right? Yeah. So those kinds of things. So it's a trade-off, but I'm not. I don't think it's necessarily one where one is better than the other. It's just different. It's just different. Also, it's interesting because you're in your home, and depending on what you do, you know, it's interesting for them to kind of interpret what's going on with you. You know, you know that's big in psychiatry is that kind of relationship. So that's interesting as well to see that dynamic. What's it like being a tech founder? Um, Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to med school for this. You yeah. know, like, this is not where I expected to be. I so mean, it's you it's, rubbing elbows with different types of people at a conference like this. Yeah. Open you, a lot of doors or yeah. a lot of things. Yeah, it's interesting because when I go to conferences, it's doctors usually, right? Yeah. You know, so here it's, you know, and I, I, my badge doesn't even have my credentials. Like it doesn't say that yeah. I'm a DO. So, you know, no one knows. No one knows. Yeah. And most people here, I think, they don't have their, their degree on there. So it's interesting because you meet people, you have no idea what their backgrounds are. And I always find it interesting when non-physicians or non-medical professionals, you know, fill in the blank, go into something like this. You know, I always want to sit them down and say, what, how, how? You know, yeah. I know my crazy ride. What was your crazy ride? Yeah. Because again, when I went to med school, this is certainly not where I expected to be. Yeah. But it's super interesting. It's also like really encouraging that so many people are, are interested in healthcare and advancing it, like using technology in healthcare. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, med medicine's pretty old school. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So seeing how people, I'm just looking at the sponsor list, it's like, you know, hundreds of names. Yeah. And I'm just seeing like all these people are just like, they're interested in healthcare in some way, shape or form. Obviously they have their own financial interests or their yeah. academic interests or whatever it is. But in the end, you know, hopefully this is all towards a common goal of, you know, getting people healthy. And then last question, I guess, what are some of your kind of challenges kind of going forward? What are some things you face, you know, running an organization mm -hmm. and growing it? Yeah. Um, but then I also, I imagine you're still practicing. A little bit, yeah. yeah. I still see a couple patients. How yeah. do you balance it? You talk about work-life balance. <laughs> I know, like, right? You have a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a lot of work. You know, like I said before, you know, I took this, I went into this field because uh, I actually uh, really, like really genuinely enjoy it. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't try it. So um, I still see a couple of patients, and not very many anymore, I'm going to be honest. But um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things where I chose to do this. So, you know, I have a commitment to my patients that I see. So, you know, um, I do that. But I also, like my business partner is amazing. I mean, he's basically family. Remember, you know, we started during the pandemic. So yeah. we were... So we you were, know things about each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm very well acquainted with his wife and dogs. Like, we're very close. Um, so just with anything if you really love your job and it's and you you know if you work a lot but it's because you love it and it's not a burden on you that's fine you know if you're working a lot because you feel you have to or it's taking a toll on you then that's where the problem lies right so 
Yeah, you just have to, to make sure that whatever you're doing, you could be a doctor, you could be a podcaster, you could be whatever you're doing, it's you're doing it for the right reasons. And again, I think that comes out of the pandemic as well, like prioritization and, and all that. I'm lucky, I'm very, very lucky that I can travel. You know, I have family in other parts, so I can travel and still work, which is really great. I was a training director at one point, and a lot of medical students or residents, they'd ask me for advice, career advice, what should I do, what should I be when I grow up, all that kind of stuff. And I tell them, like, think about how you want to live your life first, yeah, yeah. and then find the job that accommodates that. Because if you want to travel the world, being, you know, a chair of a department might be a little hard. You know, if you want to be a chair of a department, you're not going to take as many vacations as you want. It is funny so, from a professional standpoint, ambition versus, you're talking about stress, and talking about yeah. mental health. It's like, sometimes you want to bite up more than you can chew, but it actually comes back to bite you. Yeah, yeah, and there's this whole thing, like, for, especially for women for a long time, it's you can have it all. It's like, well, why would you want to? Because if you're going to have it all, then you're going to, like, somewhere, somewhere, you're going to have to shortchange, right? You're yeah. going to have to shortchange someone or something. So just think about what is important to you and have that. And that's enough because you're the one that has to live with yourself. You're the one that's your life. So think about how you want to live your life. And, and that's what you got to do. We typically don't do life advice on the podcast, but now we have it today. So I'm a psychiatrist. I can't not <laughs> give it. <laughs> can't well, thank not give you it. so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is fun. Listeners, thank you for joining us on Healthcare Strategies Industry Perspectives. When you get a chance, subscribe to our channels on Spotify and Apple and leave us a review to let us know what you think of this new series. More industry perspectives are on the way, so stay tuned. This is a Tech Target production.